Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie. It is November. Can you believe it? We're already in November. The year is almost over and the new year is beginning. And I am so grateful to be here this time of year. This is one of my happiest times of year as we get closer to Christmas. I always begin my show with my honorable mentions, and these are special events for the month of November for my listeners. So I want to honor the following people who are listening in. Ron Burns, happy birthday. He turned the big 7-0 this month. Tom Scaglione. Margie Jones was my former mother-in-law, and actually I still love her. She's my other mom the grandmother of my children. Happy birthday, Mom. She's over 90 years old, still uh, very uh, feisty and smart and savvy. Judy McGuire, dear friend Judy, happy birthday. Dr. Jeffrey Zeig, happy birthday, Jeff. Mark Brinkmeyer, Margaret Houston, Bob Houston, Sarah LaBelle. My dear friend, Georgia Bunn, who has been on this show several times with me. Happy birthday, Georgia. Sally Gardner from Chicago. Dr. Christine McKenna, who was the Navy dentist on board my ship back in 1982, the USS Prairie. She was the only woman dentist on board, and I got to see Chris about a few weeks ago when she came out to visit me, and she's doing great in Boston. Greg Wiley, happy birthday. Frank Brown is celebrating a birthday this weekend. Vicki Valdez is probably one of my oldest friends. We go back to first grade elementary school in Hawaii. Her father, Master Chief... Valdez was stationed with my father in several duty stations, and so Vicki and her siblings were close friends of my family. So happy birthday, dear friend. And other happy events this month, Paula and Alan Sears are celebrating a wedding anniversary. Another happy event for me is my private practice celebrated its 17th year in business on November 11th, 11-11. Those are actually my lucky numbers, number 11-11. I think of that because I was told years ago by business people that any company that starts up on its own, only about of 20 or 30 percent, maybe less, maybe 15 percent succeed. All of the other startup companies fail. And a dear friend of mine who is a business owner said, that's amazing for you to be so successful in your private practice. And I always say, I call it my star principle. People go, what is your secret for business success? I never went to business school. Uh, I learned from a lot of great mentors. But one of the things I call it is my star motto. And if you take the letters of the word star and you add a couple of more R's, because I'm a one-star rear admiral, they stand for, uh, you know, you, you think of the principles of that, of the success. It's about service. That's the, the S. The T is trust. A is the access. R is relationship because it depends on how your relationship is with your clients. But also for other businesses, there are two more R's. The other R is revenue because unless you're a nonprofit, you go into business to make money, right? And the final R, which is important, is reputation. What do people say about you and your company? So I think of that, and happy birthday to my practice and all the people who've helped me get this far in my practice. My patients ask me how much longer I plan to do this. I said, as long as the good Lord keeps my brain working and my heart kind and loving towards patients. After my husband died, my accountants told me that you don't have to work anymore. 
I said, that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm young. My mind works. I don't play golf. I don't have any hobbies. And I'm a grateful recovering workaholic. So what do I do? I practice medicine. Because you can help people. And I think that's really what I'm meant to do, is to help people who need my help, and I can impact their lives in a positive way. The other event we celebrate this month is on November 11th, is Veterans Day. We honor our military veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces. We salute the men and women in uniform. And as a grateful veteran of 24 years active duty, I am really thankful for this country and what it's done for me and my people. My, I tell the story in my book that my father grew up, was from the Philippines, and he came from a very poor family. All his uncles and his cousins and his brothers joined the U.S. Navy in the 1940s when the United States had an agreement with the Philippine Islands that young men could join, become American citizens, and served in the U.S. military. And my father did that. And he did it primarily to escape poverty because they really didn't have much money there. And he joined. He made a career of 30 years active duty, as, and he retired with the highest rank as an enlisted personnel as Master Chief. He worked in the homes of admirals, which is very humbling. And one of the greatest honors he had experienced was when I was promoted to Rear Admiral in the, in, the, uh, in the State Dining Room of the White House. He got to put on my gold shoulder boards, and I became the first Filipino-American in U.S. history to become a Rear Admiral. And my father, who served in the homes of admirals, was there. So that was a really special time. But I think of service in the military and what our, our veterans have done and what young men and women do in active, active duty. And you think of all the jobs out there and among all the jobs that you can pick, this is one of those jobs that you could die on active duty, that you know very well that if you go in harm's way, just like our fire department, our policemen, those people who are out there who potentially could get harmed, that as a military personnel, you could come home in a body bag. And you sign up for that, you know it, you acknowledge it, and that's what makes you the person you are because your love of this country is greater than your personal safety. So uh, God bless America. God bless our veterans out there. One of the things that comes to mind this past week was I spoke on behalf of the Veterans Heritage Project in Arizona. And this is a project which, in which veterans are interviewed by high school students about their story of service and the veterans visit different high schools to tell their story. And I've had the honor of visiting several high schools in the carefree Cave Creek area to talk to high school kids about what I did in the military as a medical corps officer. And I think kids need role models. You need to look at people to say, hey, that sounds a little bit like my story. I, I sort of relate to that person up on the stage. Maybe I ought to go in the military. Maybe I ought to do some of the things that person did. And so anything that gives hope to young people to give them good role models is a great thing. The month of November, we also celebrate Thanksgiving, which is coming up next week. Our families gather to give thanks, we hope. We hope it's not a time of conflict and stress and disagreement. We tell people, don't talk politics. That's a very sticky subject. Don't go there. Uh, talk about what you're grateful about, love of family, of things that unite you, not, not separate you from your family. So sit at the table with your family. Don't look at your iPhones. Share that meal and, and really focus on what you're grateful for because there are so many benefits of being grateful. And I'm going to share with those at the end of the show. So the attitude of gratitude goes a long way, especially in a time of death 
loss of our faith, loss of finances, loss of everything, or control as we feel, especially after the pandemic. We're recovering after the pandemic, and there are many side effects of that the, the last two and a half years. And one of them that we're seeing that the CDC has reported is a rise in deaths due to alcohol that the latest report from the CDC says that alcohol-related deaths in the U.S. rose during the first year of COVID-19 pandemic to a significant extent. And you can sort of understand that a lot of alcohol-related deaths rose steadily over the past two, two decades, but went up about 7, 7% each year between 2020-18. That jumped to 26% from 2019 to 2020. And from 39,000, over 39,000 to about 49,000 deaths in the United States from alcohol. But there are other things that have happened in the post-pandemic years, not only alcohol, but drug use, substance abuse, suicide, depression. I talked to my psychiatrist friends, and they have seen a significant rise in anxiety and depression because of all the things we've experienced as a result of COVID, of fear, of what's happened with the government, of people's behavior during COVID. So all those things are really in the aftermath and the destruction of that virus. It has injured and killed more people than you can imagine. But part of what we plan to do is, is look at how can we help those out there who are struggling in the aftermath of COVID. And I looked at this week, particularly looking at alcohol deaths, how they soared. That article in the latest uh, Wall Street Journal really brought that to mind. So it brings me to our special guest today because I wanted to focus, I know it's a happy time of year and everybody's all cheer and all that, but the sad side is there is a lot of suffering out there. And I have several people I know uh, personally, but also in my practice, several patients who are struggling with alcohol addiction as well as other issues of anxiety and depression and suffering. So I called into studio today one of my dear, dear friends, who not only is a fantastic educator, uh, cons uh, counselor, psychologist, uh, executive director, but he's just a good person, a good friend who's been a family friend for over, I would say, 10 years. He's so close to my family. He actually did the wedding of my son, Andrew, and his wife, Erin. And and I think without that, we wouldn't be, you know, having these three wonderful grandchildren that we celebrate. But I welcome to the studio Dr. Jerry Law. He's here today. I'm going to read his resume here very briefly. It's his capsulated uh, form. Uh, Dr. Jerry Law is uh, the executive director of the Meadows in Wickenburg, Arizona. It's a residential program specializing in relationship disorders, addiction, substance abuse disorders, and co-occurring behavioral health disorders. He is a certified multiple addiction therapist, a certified sex therapist, and board-certified interventional professional, and a board-certified professional counselor. He brings compassion and firsthand understanding about how cri critical it is to break the cycle of addiction in the professional world as well as within the family. Prior to assuming the role of executive director at the Meadows, Jerry Law held the same role at Gentle Path and Willow House. In this role, he worked closely with the clinical teams and offered education support to family members while their loved one was in treatment. Recognizing that addiction and behavioral health disorders are family diseases, Jerry knows the importance of family support absolutely in the recovery process. So God bless you, Jerry, for being here today. Welcome. 
Thank you, Connie. It's so nice to see you. And let me say, Admiral Mariano, I salute you. Well, thank you, Dr. sir. Dr. Mariano, I thank you for all you do. And Connie, what a delight. Well, you <laughs> to call you my friend. <laughs> you are dear. You are. You've helped so many people. You've also helped me at really tough times. So I'm grateful for that. And you've helped many of my friends and patients. You know, this is a, a tough time. Have you seen Have you seen a rise in admissions to the the Meadows? Yeah, we we have. The the pandemic hit all of us in in different ways. Um, initially, when the whole nation shut down, people didn't even know whether to try to go into a residential treatment program. So we saw a little bit of a slowdown, but not long, because as people began to um, hunker down at home and living in their basements and all of the things that they were doing, so many people just didn't have the coping skills Mm -hmm. to deal with that kind of an issue. I mean, none of us in our lifetime have ever experienced anything like this. Mm -hmm. So it's not as though we could look over our shoulder and say, well, the last time, Mm -hmm. here's how we handle it. There was no last time. Right. And people who did not have those coping skills often reverted to drugs, alcohol, other mood-altering experiences just to try to get some relief. And so when, as we've come out of the pandemic, we've seen a tremendous uh, upsurge in, in addiction. And, and we're, we're glad to see people reaching out for help. How did people find you? Well, we've got a, a good presence on the, on the web. Um, we have a network of business development people who work with referents all over the country, therapists and physicians and psychiatrists, psychologists, who have patients in their private practices who are dealing with issues that it's going to take more than outpatient treatment. And so they will refer directly to us where a person can come in and engage in this level of residential care to really drill down into the issue, whether it's an addiction or PTSD or a mood disorder or an anxiety disorder, we treat the entire gamut. So when you say treatment, how, what does that entail at the Meadows? At our program, we are, we are a 45-day, basically a six-week residential program, and each week is uh, structured around what happened the week before. Mm-hmm. Week one leads into week two, week three. However, we do now have an extended care program Mm -hmm. where a person, upon completing those 45 days, can stay for another 30 or 60 days. And then we now have outpatient programs all over the country. People who are ready for that level of care can step down and do outpatient, intensive outpatient work. We're going to take a quick break and come back because I want to hear more about the Meadows and its program, but also how people really realize they've got a problem, I think, because the hope is that somebody out there is going to get some help from this talk. So stay tuned on House Calls with Dr. Connie and Dr. Jerry Law. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. 
And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to House Calls with Dr. Connie, and I have in studio my dear friend and wonderful guest, Dr. Jerry Law, Executive Director of the Meadows in Wickenburg, and we're talking about how busy it's been at the Meadows and rehab facilities and just the rise in the number of patients asking for help. How does somebody know they have a problem, Jerry? It's the holidays, people are getting together. I mean, if somebody, if a family member, you're at an event, you know, a big family event, mm-hmm. what would be the red flags that... A certain family member was having a great, great abuse problem. I, I was having a conversation this morning with patients and family members for Family Week, and I've come to really enjoy and appreciate the definition for addiction that was coined by the late John Bradshaw, Dr. John mm-hmm. Bradshaw. He was one of our senior fellows and passed, unfortunately, in, in 2016. His definition is that an addiction is a pathological relationship with any mood-altering experience that has life-damaging consequences. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about the drug, the quantity, the frequency. It's about this relationship. I've got an unhealthy relationship going on here with Mm -hmm. a mood-altering experience, whether that's a drug, an alcohol, pornography, sex, shopping. Mm -hmm. It's a mood-altering experience. Mm -hmm and it brings with it life-damaging consequences. Yeah. And I think when that's going on, that should be a pretty big red flag. Something is amiss, because this is not a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. and I'm experiencing all these life-damaging consequences from it. Yeah, it alters your life. I, as a physician of over 41 years, the hardest disease to treat is alcohol. Because people think you're making a judgment. I'm mm-hmm. not a drunk. And, you know, my patients are affluent. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not poor, cheap drunks. They're rich drunks. And they're highly successful mm-hmm. rich drunks who are indignant that you would even suggest that they have an alcohol problem, right? Yes. I'm too rich to have an alcohol problem. How That's dare right. you do that? But it's the only disease I know that the person with it thinks they're perfectly fine yes. and everybody else is having a problem. Right. And, but it is hard to treat. Is so. Why is it hard to treat? Well, we say addiction is the only dr- a disease uh, that tells its victim they don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, cancer shows up and says, mm-hmm. I'm here. Tell right. the world. Yeah. Um, addiction shows up and says, shh, I'm here to help you. I'm your friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to support you. It's all those other people mm-hmm. that are the problem. I'm your friend. And we believe it. Uh, you, as you know, Connie, I'm very open about my own recovery journey. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been in recovery now for 19 years. Mm -hmm. And when I was banging around in my uh, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, Mm -hmm. I didn't believe what anybody had to say. Mm -hmm. Because 
it's a biopsychosocial spiritual disease. And at the biological level, it's neurology. You know, that impaired thinking mm-hmm. that is the result of this unhealthy relationship with a mood-altering experience is driving everything else. It's driving the kooky behavior. It's driving my social life. It's driving my spiritual life. It's in, in control, and it's not healthy. So, yeah, my first thought is, well, there's nothing wrong with me. The problem is you. So what took you to get sober? What happened? Well, we talk about hitting bottom. Yeah. And, and in my case, um, I, I was a blackout drinker. Yeah. You know, I would frequently black out. And I came home from work. Uh, you know, I was functioning in the corporate world and, you know, rah, rah, and came home from work and, and had, had been drinking all day long and walked through the door and had a blackout. And I have absolutely no idea what happened between 5 o'clock and 3 a.m. when I suddenly came out of the blackout and looked around and thought, I don't even know where I am. Good thing you weren't driving. Amen. And uh, my wife had, was, was in the other room and in tears, and she, had call, she thought I was having a stroke. Yeah. She called 911. The police came. I mean, I don't remember any of that. Yeah, scary. And it was that moment of clarity yeah. where I knew it's either going to be this continued denial about this drug of choice of mine, mm-hmm. or I got to get some help because it can't be both. I had, I had thought that I was successfully managing my addiction for years. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. And ultimately it led to that crisis moment of I'm either going to choose the bottle or I'm going to choose recovery in life. And, and fortunately I, <laughs> I reached out for some help. Did you go to AA or did you go to rehab? How did you a, get A little help? bit of both. Um, that morning, I, I mean, this is back when we had phone books. Right, right, the yellow pages. <laughs> and I got out the, the phone book, and I found this number for Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I called, and I said, you know, I, I think I may have a problem. Mm-hmm. And this real nice man says, well, mm-hmm. what's your zip code? And I thought, well, I'm not going to give you my zip code. <laughs> You're going to come to my house. He says, no, no, give me your zip code, and I'll tell you where there Maybe. are some meetings. Yeah. So I gave him my zip code, and, you know, he gets out this book, and he's reading all these off to me. I had no clue. They're everywhere. Everywhere. And that night, I walked into my first AA meeting and um, expected to be put in the corner with a dunce camp. Mm -mm. And nothing like that happened. Instead, people loved me and cared about me and shared their stories. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm not alone. Yeah. So you don't have to hit bottom? No. No, you, you just, don't. You just have to ask for help. You have to you identify. Have to ask, you have to ask for help. As you recall from my career as an interventionist, we yes. often said what an intervention does is bring the bottom up to hit the person. Right. Rather than waiting for the person to hit exactly. bottom. Exactly. Because if they've got that pathological relationship so forth going on, what are we waiting for? You know, you, you know most people say, well, I'm perfectly fine. Nobody, you know, nobody, nobody's affected by that. And that, that's not true, right? Families well, are affected the, by the, it. The clinical term for that is BS. Right. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> because other people are being affected. Yeah. I just don't want to believe it. Because it's my life, it's, it's my denial. body. Yeah. It, again, it's, it's part of that denial. Yeah, it's true. What other drugs do you see? Do you see other substance well, abuse problems yeah, the, there? The, the issue with fentanyl right now Tell is, me about is fentanyl. at the forefront because so much of it's being brought in through the southern border. And it's being manufactured to look like candy, mm-hmm. in, very intentionally, so that children will think, oh, fen- uh, um, yeah. this is, uh, you know, this is candy. Like Halloween, beware. Exactly. Yeah. So we're seeing a, a, signific- a significant uptick in that. Uh, during the pandemic, we as a country set whole new records in the number of deaths from opioids. 2020, over 100,000 
now those those are deaths that can be directly attributed to opioids. Right. It doesn't count the ones that was a car wreck or sure. it was blunt force trauma or right. it was cardiac arrest. Those are the, the the deaths that we can say yes, this person just overdosed. It's a huge problem. Uh, opioids, you know, the if, if you if you've seen. Uh, the, the TV shows, <laughs> the mm -hmm. series on Purdue Pharma and how they produced this magic Oxycontin that mm. was this non-addictive, mm. wonderful painkiller. And it's just the opposite. I mean, it has destroyed the lives of so many people and their families. How do you, how is the rehab for fentanyl addiction or other you know, opioid addiction when you bring them into the meadows? Is it the same as the alcohol very, addiction? Very, very similar. Um, an opioid addict is going to have a withdrawal or a detox mm -hmm. that's going to look a little different than an alcoholic. And what people fail to realize is the most dangerous drug to detox from is alcohol. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And you can, you yeah. can detox you from die. opioids. You feel like you're going to die, but yep. you won't. You can alcohol, literally die. die. Yes, I've had them die. Um, yes. And so we, we have to factor in what, what it is they're coming in from. And so many of them come in, they've been doing speedballs. They're doing a mix of opioids and amphetamines. Right, and the and the the initial detox has to be dealt with medically, based on the drug of choice, but then the actual treatment it really isn't a whole lot different, because what we're trying to do is get to the bottom of what's going on here. Most treatment programs of any reputation these days will tell you they are treatment in I mean, I'm sorry they are trauma informed. Mm -hmm. We on the other hand are trauma focused. Mm -hmm. Literally everything we do. I mean, things like yoga and tai chi are with a, with a uh, trauma focus. Mm -hmm. We do a, a full week during the middle of treatment called Survivor's Week, and that's that deep dive into childhood trauma and trying to figure out what is going on in there because as mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. we experience trauma. We don't even know that's what it is. Yeah. As far as we knew, all this crazy stuff's going on yeah. everywhere. Why would my house be any sure. different? And we don't know what to do with it, and so we bury it and we stuff it, and then later we treat it with mood-altering experiences. Sure. And so we really believe that the ultimate key is to, to dig into that trauma, bring it up, work on it, uh, teach people coping skills for that trauma, and then set them on a path for ongoing success. Because recovery is not a destination. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. What is your success rate? Well, that's, that's it's, tough to, it's hard to answer yeah. for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Number one, one of the great strengths of the 12-step world is anonymity. Yeah. Well, when you've got people in, they, they don't want it, they're not going to share a lot of that data. Now, it's we true. do track it, mm -hmm. and it, and it varies. Um, I will say this, anyone who really wants to get sober and live in recovery can do it. Anyone. Not the select, not the lucky ones. Right. Anyone. So if you really want it. You got to want it. If you're willing to go to any length to get that recovery, you will mm -hmm. recover and, and be successful. D does relapse happen? Of course it does. Sure. But often people will brush themselves off and get right back into a program of recovery, and then they do well. Do you, what is the hardest thing about what you do? Boy, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say the hardest thing about what I do is when we are offering someone the solution and they won't take it. Yeah, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I see I see it in my practice. 
I'll sit there and, you know, they always say among doctors, when you ask somebody your medical history, your yeah. social history, yeah. how much do you drink, right? You never say, do you drink or not? They're teaching, you never say, do you drink? You just say, you assume, how much do you drink? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I have two glasses of wine, two cocktails. You're supposed to double it. Oh, or more. Or more, exactly. How many bottles do you drink? Yeah, and, and, and yeah. Qu- quantify it. When you say two glasses of wine, how big is the glass? Exactly. It's huge. <laughs> it's 32-ounce tumbler. You know, and then doctors have this way to figure. We can usually tell the ones who tend to drink a lot yeah. because I look at their – they come in yeah. for their physical. It's their blood count, their MCV, yeah. their mean yeah. corbuscular body. And you see their high. face and their it's nose. It's red, and, yeah. and then they have bruises. And then you start digging, and they get very angry. They don't want to go do. there. And they're masters. Of, so how do you how do you break through that? I mean, even family members. You know, somebody's drinking. They have over and over again. They're drunk. Unless they have a DUI or something shakes them up. How do you really? I mean, how do you really get to the point that you know you really need help? We can't tolerate this. The one word is connection. It's connection. Connection. Addiction isolates. Healing happens in community. We are a group therapy-based program. When a person comes in, they're going to be placed in a group, and that group will have 8 to 10 people mm-hmm. and a primary therapist, and they're going, to, they're going to share their story in a group setting in ways they've never felt safe to share their story ever. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about things that society has told them, never talk about this. Mm-hmm. And that connection that happens in that group experience is the change it's the change agent. And that's why we're such advocates of ongoing programs like 12-step or Celebrate Recovery or something where you maintain that connection because addiction wants to isolate us and kill us. Oh, that's so true. Recovery happens in community and in connection. And that's why the pandemic was so deadly, don't you think? We were all isolated. You can't touch people. They're going to give you COVID. So we isolated. And no wonder everybody was so depressed and down. My patients have gained weight. They became more addicted. I have three marriages that broke up because they couldn't stand to be with each other. The people they were isolating with, they didn't like. So so isolation kills. It kills. It doesn't. I've never seen statistics on it, and I don't know that we ever will. But I wonder if we killed more people in how we responded to COVID than COVID killed. Oh, I, 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 I think so. Our communication skills, we're... You know, even, you know, we don't shake hands anymore, obviously not, because right. it's unclean. Even when we hug people, we never fake because we're, we're, ter- we're afraid. Yeah. Even the people vaccinated, you yes. know, you, you, you just do sort of a shoulder hug mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And so the damage is, is long-lasting. We're going to see it in, in terms of how it changed society and I how we so. reacted to it. But for us as people who solve, you know, and heal— um, so if someone's having a, an issue with their family member, really is, is to approach them as, as a close family member of their concern and love. It is, and it's about setting healthy boundaries. It's not about yeah. threats sure. because that doesn't work. Yeah, don't it's condemn about, them. It, it, don't it, threaten it's them. About, it's about health and healthy boundaries and, and saying to the other person, I love you enough mm-hmm. to support wellness and recovery, and here's what that looks like, and get the word but out of the vocabulary, and I love you enough not to support anything else. Mm-hmm. If you choose to continue in this mess that you're in, you can do that. And I will choose to set some healthy boundaries to protect myself. I'm not punishing you. I'm protecting me. And that's the message that gets through because it's not a threat. Right. And it's not punitive. Right. It's, oh, I guess my I actions to- are impacting you. others and I need to do something about it. And it is the healthy boundaries. 
We're going to take a little break here, Jerry, and then we'll come back to talk to our listening audience. The last part of this show it goes by really fast, doesn't it? <laughs> Always. I want to talk about gratitude yeah. because there are many things as we approach Thanksgiving and the holiday season. So stay tuned on House Calls for more. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to House Calls. I'm Dr. Connie talking about addiction, and and actually we're on the gratitude part. So I've got to share something that gave me a really good laugh here as we were taking the break. I was telling Jerry, <laughs> Dr. Law here, that I said this is great. I'm so appreciative of you doing this, and you know this you know this goes by really fast when we're doing the taping. What did you say? I said I love doing this with you. <laughs> I said, I haven't heard that in over three years, Jerry. <laughs> so we had a good laugh. I said, man, you are a sex addiction specialist, aren't you? <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we've got a G rating, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> but it's, it's about doing things you love with people you care about. It is. You know what? And that's the community. And, it's, and that's for which, you know, I look at Thanksgiving because you gather family and friends to, to give thanks. And and gratitude for and gratitude goes a long way. There are so many good things about it. Tell me, as we approach the end of the year, name three things for which you are grateful for. Well, I'm I'm grateful for my wife. Yeah. You know, as you know, we were high school sweethearts, and she's just the the joy of my life. Uh, I'm grateful for the work that I do. You know, I get to I get up every day and think I get to go to work. Mm-hmm. And I spent 25 years in the corporate world where I got up every day and thought, oh, God, I got to mm-hmm. go to work. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for my recovery. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm in this position today in this place as a human being where I have some solutions and some answers that I just couldn't find before. And I tried to hide them in a bottle or in a pill. That is so good. It's so true. And you've helped so many people with that. You know, and I, I'd like to answer that question, too. What, for what, you know, what am I grateful for? You know, I'm grateful for wonderful memories of John, who will yeah. always be with me, and he's yeah. always with me. I'm grateful for my family. I have a wonderful family, just my loving sons, my grandchildren. They just, 
you know, have been there. And I'm really grateful for my friends. I have yeah. wonderful friends who've gotten me through the last three and a half years. And I should add a fourth, really, is I'm grateful for hope. Because out of the darkness, there's light. And there's always light with that. And I'm always thinking, well, what's, what's next? And one of the things that has inspired me to continue my work with widows is the fact that I always believe that my pain has meaning. Whatever mm. I've gone through, my pain can be somebody's gain, that somebody can benefit from what I've learned in a way that their path is less painful. That's really the hope with that. But there's so many great things about it as you look through the year for which you're grateful. What are you looking forward to? Oh, gosh. Um, we, we're uh, going to gather as a family uh, over the holidays. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Julie and I and a group are going to go to Israel. Oh, great. In, You've been in before? The, no. Uh, we, we went to Paris this year. Good. That was my first time. Yeah. And we're going to go to Israel in the spring. And I'm really looking forward to that because I'm a Bible buff. And, you know, to get to actually see these places yeah. that I've read about for years and years and years. I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be a wonderful journey. What was Paris like for you? We had a great time. We did a river cruise. Mm -hmm. So for eight days, we were up and down the Seine and went to Normandy Beach and mm -hmm. got to see all of that. Oh, my gosh. And then we moving. spent five days with a, 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 there's an organization called Tours by Locals, trained tour guides, and they'll put together a package that's unique to you. So there were four of us and our guide, Tanya. And she took us to, you know, all the cool places that nobody else, you can't get there on a bus. And uh, we walked our legs off. Uh, and I loved it. And I didn't run into any of that ugly American mm -hmm. stuff. The people, are, the, the French people were wonderful. Especially in Normandy. They'll come up to you and thank you. If yes. they hear you speaking yes. English, they'll say thank you. Because yes. if it weren't for you, we'd be speaking German. Yeah. And they were grateful. Did you go to the American Cemetery? We did. And oh, gosh. so awe-inspiring. Yeah. You know, nearly 10,000. I mean, it's like Arlington. And you just... It just takes your breath. Yeah. Oh, I was so. Do you know all those crosses and, and stars of David? They they face home. Yes. That is American property. It's yes. run by the Veterans Association. And the, the Veterans. It is so perfect. The, all the headstones are so perfectly yes, aligned. Perfect. Whether you're looking right, yeah. left, straight. Yeah. It's astonishing. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. You know, and then we went to Omaha and Utah Beach. We went to Utah. Yeah, and it was pouring rain, and our guide said it was like this on D-Day. Yeah. And you walk the beach and you weep because you remember how young those young those men were mm -hmm. when they died. They sacrificed their life. I misspoke. We went to Omaha, mm -hmm. and I actually brought home some sand. Yeah, they give you the sand to bring home. <laughs> you know, and it sits on my desk, and yeah. I just look at that and go, wow. And it goes back to Veterans Day that you are willing to die. Yes. You know, and I remember when I was at the White House, we had done trips to Bosnia and various missions yes. with the president. And at, at one point— I realized on the C-17 that I was there, and then my number two guy was there, Dr. Tubb. And I realized something happens if we go down, who's going to run the medical unit? Obviously, they have the 25th Amendment. The vice president doesn't travel right. with the president. Right. And so I called back to Washington to talk to my, my administrator. I said, if we go down, this is the next person to carry on with the president, the, the, the president the incumbent president at mm -hmm. that time, the, the next president, should this plane go down? Because you look at that. But I had written out, you know, where I wanted to be buried. You have to have, you have to plan. You, you know, do. you have to plan. If something yeah. happens, this is what happens to my remains, but most important, your survivors, your, your family yeah. that, that is there. But I look at, for that, I'm grateful. For there are many things of being able to do good things. I think that's important. You know, being grateful is great for your health. We know that mm -hmm. increases your self-confidence, your self-esteem. 
you feel more abundant. And it isn't about monetary. It's a different it's a different wealth in a different way. It, it, there's it's no question. Money. It's and not money. On, on Friday mornings at my program, we have a gratitude meeting. Good. And it's just staff. Mm-hmm. And we look at one another in the eye and thank them mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. this week. And we all come out of that meeting just floating. Well, you have to heal the healer. Yes. And if you're out there taking care of everybody, you all have to take care of each other because you can only give so much. You don't want to burn out. But you talk about hard work with your people. It's the (laughs) tough love, really. It is. You know, and to to be grateful for them. I mean, that's – but, you know, you you feel healthier and happier. Life becomes simple. And and I look – because I do physicals every day. People come in and – I used to say, why is everybody so upset? Well, because they're not going to see me when they feel good. They're going to see me when they feel bad. Right. But then we talk about they usually spend, you know, I spend 90 minutes for a physical with patients for their annual exam. And the first 10 or 15 are venting. They come yeah. in to vent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, they, it's just their time for me. I'm like your therapist or I'm your life coach. How are you doing? Tell, tell me. And I just sit there. I don't look mm-hmm. at the computer. I look mm-hmm. right at them. How are you doing? And they just vent. Mm-hmm. They vent about where life is. And I think it boils down to we don't have control. You're right. It's often said nobody comes to the meadows on a winning streak. <laughs> right? They're, true. they're in crisis when yeah. they come to us. Yeah. And, and we have to recognize that. And just being kind yeah. and giving hope, to your point, it, it changes people. Yeah. It's, you know, I always say, what is the true test of a character? What do you like when things are rough, yeah. when they don't go your way? Yeah. Then you'll know what kind of people, what they're made of. When somebody dies, how do you behave? Yeah. How, as a survivor, you know, when, when you lose everything in the market, what happens? You know, what is, what is the conduct of your behavior? What does it say about your character? How does someone work for the Meadows? How do you hire people? Well, it, it depends on the position. We have psychiatrists. We have physicians. We have physical therapists. We have yoga instructors. We have trauma therapists, clinical therapists, an entire nursing cadre. Mm-hmm. You know, I have about 160 staff because mm-hmm. uh, we're 24-7. And I got to tell you, I have the greatest staff on the planet. I am surrounded by the most extraordinary human beings that are so filled with love and passion and kindness and know how to hold that boundary and at the same time be loving and kind Mm -hmm. it's i'm so blessed to be surrounded by these people how do you find them well we 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 have a recruiting Mm -hmm. department Mm -hmm. that that reaches out Mm -hmm. um we bring in interns for for therapists we Mm -hmm. bring in interns who are finishing up their master's degree uh, in counseling, and, and, ha- and they typically spend six to nine months with us, and often we will hire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of word of mouth. It's amazing to do that. Well, it, yeah. the Meadows has been around for 50 years. It has. So we have quite a reputation. Yeah. People and, hear about Now, where yes. else is the Meadows located? Well, we have six residential programs in Little Wickenburg. Okay. We have a residential program in Malibu. We have a residential program in Dallas. And we now have intensive outpatient programs in Scottsdale, Las Vegas, Denver, Silicon Valley, Dallas, and we will soon be opening in Austin, Houston, Chicago, Atlanta, and those are all outpatient programs. But the majority of our residential programs are all here in Arizona and in Wickenburg. 
Which has the largest census among yours? Well, that would be the, the campus that I'm at. That, that's the yeah, biggest one. the Meadows. We're, we're, 80, we're licensed for 82 patients. 82? Yeah. What happened during COVID? Did everything shut down? Nobody no, we stayed open. Really? Uh, I reached out to the governor, and I said, we're an essential business. Yeah. And he said, yes, you are. Wow. Do you just mask and isolate? Yeah, or? We, we masked, and we practiced all kinds of yeah. you know, hygiene and, sure. and tested. I mean, er, my staff yeah. was tested daily. Yeah. Our patients were tested daily. I mean, we followed all of the CDC, well, we actually exceeded the CDC guidelines mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of our concern, and we did okay. Got, do you have people coming back for more treatment? Yes. I mean, they're allowed to come back? Are they encouraged? It, it depends. Yes, they're certainly allowed. It kind of depends on, on what they're looking for. I mean, to come back and do the exact same thing yeah. two months after they just did it might not be the best approach. So when a, when a person contacts us, they are screened by our intake staff, and then a whole group of us, medical people, ex- uh, directors, and so forth, look at that documentation and decide, number one, are we the right program? Because if we're not the right program, we're not doing them any favors. Mm-hmm. And number two, which of our programs, based on all of the issues that they have, is going to serve them best? Is it going to be the Claudia Black Center where we ser- we uh, treat 18 to 26-year-olds? Mm. Is it going to be my campus, which mm-hmm. is which is co-ed in all ages, mm-hmm. adults? Is it going to be uh, Gentle Path, which is sex addiction? Is it going to be Willow House, which is women's intimacy disorders? Is it the Meadows Ranch, which is eating disorders? And we're soon opening our first adolescent program. See, I never knew it was that big and that you had different specialties about it. That never dawned on me that, yeah. that you we're had the, that. We're the largest employer in Wickenburg that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, you're very <laughs> subtle. You're very discreet. You're, we you don't know you're, the, you're off the beaten path. Yeah, we yeah. want to be good neighbors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't say it. Yeah. I mean, are, is access difficult to get in? I mean, you don't lock your doors, do no, you? No, we're I mean, not it's a locked, locked unit. Yeah. Uh, we're an open campus, um, but we have security staff that are constantly in cameras that we're constantly mm-hmm. monitoring. And, and staff's really good. If they see someone on the campus that's not recognizable or they're not wearing mm-hmm. a badge, mm-hmm. they're approached immediately. Who are you? Why so are you here? what would make everything better for you there? Hmm. I don't even know how to answer that because it's so good. Yeah. Um, you, you know, we would like to have a, a little more um, property because mm-hmm. we're we're on a fairly small property, but that's that's not that's not a, a, an issue. Um, I'm just having a good time. Well, you look like it because <laughs> I followed you all these years, and yeah. and I you've you've helped me with intervention with uh, friends. You've done my son's wedding. You even mooed my granddaughter. <laughs> he has a special cute thing where my granddaughter Addie was just a baby, and you yeah. you do this to your grandchildren. You yeah. moo them like a, you need to moo my other two, or else they're unmooed. They're unmooed. But you know, I I thank you for coming on to the show. I mean, oh, I love having you on board. And you help so many people, and I want to thank you for helping my family members and, and everybody you touch, because you are that bright light, and you're that great inspiration. And so we're going to sign off on this month's house calls, and, you know, go out there and help somebody you love. If you see somebody having a, a problem struggling with their addiction, talk to them about that, just in the way that, that Dr. Law mentioned, and, you know, try to guide them in that direction, give them that tough love that, that can give them the help that can save their life. And for that, we're grateful. And everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks, Jerry, for being on the show. My pleasure. Our love from our family to yours. And yours, too. God bless you all, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. <music> 
Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. We'll be right back.